0: Philippians 4.14, here we go, are you ready? Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable to God and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, I thank you for this... uh, this book of Philippians, God, I thank you for what we've learned about humility and about unity and about um, what's really valuable in life. I thank you for uh, the passages on, uh, on anxiety and on peace and on joy and on contentment. And Lord, I, I just thank you for this passage today on giving. Uh, Lord, we want to be this kind of giver. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a special passage uh, in Emmoni's personal life. Um, I had been saved about two years. Um, uh, my first year after my salvation, I was discipled by a couple guys at Tabor College and uh, during that year felt a call to pastoral ministry. And so I switched uh, universities. I got married. got married uh, August 10th, went on a honeymoon, and then drove to uh, Bolivar, Missouri, where we enrolled in Southwest Baptist University uh, for a Bible and Biblical Languages degree. And um, it was difficult. Uh, the first year was very difficult, and then I could not get a good job. Uh, it was very, very hard on me. If Guys, you know how that is if you've ever struggled to get a good job. Um, I needed to provide for a wife now and, and a family and... Um, uh, I, you know, I had always worked in western Kansas and that area and I had all kinds of skills in uh, heavy machinery operation and farming and worked for cattle corporations and And I I got there and I applied at every grocery store, every fast food place, every, and nobody would hire me. Nobody. I mean, it was just, it was really a bummer. And finally I got a job as a janitor, which was great. I I, I did not mind that job, but it was minimum wage. And they would only give me so many hours per week. They started me out only so many hours a week. It really wasn't enough to provide for my family. It was all I had. And we had some savings. i had had some savings from uh, working all through high school. And so we were kind of living on that and Emma's savings. And, um, we, uh. About midway through the year, it just, man, it was, things were really tight. We're trying to buy books, trying to, you know, pay for our apartment. And we were both full-time students. And so I'm, I'm heavy, just a heaviness about this financial situation. I got off work, and Emma was about 30 more minutes to get off work. And so I was going to walk to where she worked. And so in, in my walking across the campus, I stopped at a prayer chapel. And I, I went inside that prayer chapel, and I was just praying about uh, our needs and just asking God to provide. Give me another job, something. And, and and I was reading in Philippians, and you know the cool thing about when you're first uh, kind of a new Christian is everything in the Bible is new. Like you don't know what's coming. You know, like now I open up to Philippians, and in my head I know pretty much what what's in each chapter, and which is a great thing. That's awesome as well. But I just remember reading this and coming across this verse. I think for the very first time, you know. And I'm reading about Paul's contentment. I'm reading about the the Philippians giving, and then in verse 19 I read this, and my God. God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. I will take care of you, Jason. I will take care of you. You know, and and, and it was like, man, I'm doing everything I can. I'm working hard. I, you know, with the job he's given me, we're, we're giving. You know, we're part of our church. We're, we're, we're advancing in ministry. And God was just like, Jason, I will take care of you. I closed my Bible. And, and I, I tell you, to this day, I had a complete peace that God was just going to take care of us. I, I, I put my Bible in my backpack. And I walked the rest of the way to where Emma worked. I went inside. She worked in the business offices, kind of the front big office of the university. And I sat down in the waiting room there. And one of the receptionist teller type ladies said, Mr. Dirks. And I didn't know how she knew my name. She said, Mr. Dirks, I have a check for you. And I said, oh, is it Emma's paycheck? Because Emma worked there. And she said, no, it's a grant. And I said a grant, you know, and it went over, and it was sort sure of it was this grant from Missouri, this this thing, and I had I had won it, I had been awarded it. I didn't apply for it, my friends. I mean, to this day, I tell you, I did not I did not know to apply for it. I didn't know it, it existed. And somehow, in the middle of the semester, you know, they award that stuff at the beginning of the semester. That's when all that comes in your financial aid. I'm in the middle of the semester, and I get this, and I remember asking her, "Why is it coming in now?" She says, "I don't know," you know, but I it was. $1,500. Now, I did a little math in, 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 in my in my office. and I, I want you to know how $1,500 was for us at that time. The percentage of my income then, to, to, based on my income now, it would be like getting like a $15,000 check for, you know, for, for probably most of us today. I mean, this was huge. This was, was more money than I would make in four or five months, you know. And, and so, wow. You know, and I just remember this verse being engraven in my heart and my mind just through that experience of God's incredible provision. I never forgot uh, of, of how God spoke to me through this verse. So it's a special verse in my life. And, and really, what, what am I telling you here today? Okay. Well, I think what a lot of you just got from my story was we're all going to get big checks because we talked about this verse today, right? I mean, tomorrow, everybody's going to be waiting by the, you know, where's Mr. Chinwith? Come on, come on, you know, where's the mail and it's coming. Hey, I'm not telling you that. And kind of the bad news is I've read this verse about a thousand times since then, in the 20 years since then, and big checks have not always come. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not telling you that. this, is not a genie in the bottle that you rub and you get your three wishes, not that at all. In fact, what this passage is, again, if you remember from last week, it's Paul's thank you to the Philippian church. These Philippian believers have have sacrificed and gathered together an offering, and they've sent it to the apostle Paul to take care of his needs in ministry, all right? And this is the second half of Paul's thank you, okay? If you remember last week was the first half of his thank you, and it kind of went like this, guys, thank you so much for your gift, but I want you to know I'm content with it or without it. Okay, remember Paul saying that? I'm completely supplied, I'm completely sufficient. Paul taught us I have learned the secret of, 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 of having one piece in my puzzle. It's Jesus. If I've got him, whether I got a little, whether I got a lot, I'm content. I'm completely at peace and at rest in God's provision over me. So that was last week. This week, he switches gears and he talks about the givers. Okay. What does this gift mean to the Philippians who gave it? All right? And, and, and I love how he begins this passage passage in that he describes what does it mean, what is a picture, what is a description of a giver. And there's two things he talks about here. The first is in verse 15. It says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you. So first of all, he calls them partners in the gospel, okay? He says, I'm in the gospel ministry, and when you all gave sacrificially to me, you're a partner in that gospel ministry, okay? So it's kind of the picture of of joining together for the good of the gospel, for the glory of God, okay? That's what it means when you give, okay? When you give to a mission organization, when when you give to a ministry, when you give to your church, what you are is a partner in the gospel. OK, you're 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 getting behind the plow and you're helping pull this thing. OK, for the good of the gospel, for the glory of Jesus. Now, the second picture he gives in verse 14, he says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. OK, I really love this to share my trouble. What what are are they doing by giving giving to Paul? They're sharing his trouble, his struggle, alright? Now here is the reality. I don't know if you're aware of this, but for the gospel to go forward, there's got to be somebody who pays the price, okay? That's just the way God has wired this thing, okay? It's always by the Holy Spirit, always through the power of the Holy Spirit, but you know what? Somebody has to pay the price. If you're here today and you're a believer, you know what I know? Somebody, somebody brought the gospel to you. Somebody paid the price for that to happen. Somebody put on a children's program in which you came to and you heard about Jesus. Somebody put on a VBS. Somebody paid the price for that. Somebody worked in that. Somebody drove a bus that brought you to a church so that you could hear the gospel. Somebody at your workplace sent down and shared the gospel consistently. They pay. Somebody's going to pay the price for that. Somebody's going to pay the struggle. And it's always a struggle, is it not? I mean, it's hard. It's hard to sow the gospel into your children. Have you tried that? it's not as easy as it might seem is it i mean there's a whole aspect of living it out and communicating it effectively and praying over them i mean i mean it's hard to get the gospel into your neighbors into your in your community into our world into guatemala and india there's a price to be paid for all of that it's going to be hard listen to what paul says in colossians 1 okay so just in my bible it's the next page colossians 124 Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. That is a beautiful picture, isn't it? The picture is of of Jesus suffering for us, right? Suffering to purchase your redemption, okay? And then then the gospel goes out from there into people's lives. And Paul says, I want to be a part of suffering Filling up what's lacking for the gospel to go forward. Jesus suffered for the gospel. He suffered to give us new life. And now I want to suffer as well to bring the gospel into other people's lives. I want want to be a part of paying the price. And and so Paul says, as givers, as those who have given in the gospel ministry, you are people who not only are partners in the gospel, but you are those who who share in the struggles, the trouble of the gospel. You're of those who pay the price, the relational price, the, the, the work price, the organization price, the money price for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the Philippians have done that for Paul. Now, what does that look like for them? Well, obviously they prayed for Paul. They, They took up an offering for Paul, but then, you know, there's more involved, isn't there? Notice in verse, uh, Uh, 18. I'm well supplied. I'm going to receive from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. You know what's really cool is we just go back a page in our Bible and we get the story there. Okay, What's the story about this guy named Epaphroditus? he's, He's one of them, right? So it'd be like if we raised up money for India, which we're doing right now, for missions, and we said, hey, we need someone to go, Fred, Fred, You're going to have to quit your job, and we're going to send you to India for a year. Sorry, Karen. You know, I mean, that's what happened, right? I mean, there's this guy, and he's got to take the offering. It's 600 miles from Philippi to Rome by land. We don't know if he went by land or by sea. Sea would be a little bit less if you got a boat ticket, okay? But someone's got to get the offering there. That someone was Epaphroditus. Listen, Listen to his story. Verse 25 of chapter 2, Philippians 2, 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, your message and minister to my need for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I'm the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. The guy takes the offering. He stays there and ministers to Paul for maybe maybe years, months at least. And while there, he gets sick. He almost dies. I mean, here's a guy who's paying the price for the gospel to go forward. And so Paul describes the Philippians as givers, as people who are paying the price, who are saying, man, sign me up. I want to be a part of the gospel going forward in the world. Now, one of the questions that this text answers that I think is a great question is that who is more blessed, the giver or the recipient of the gift? Now, take God out of the equation. OK, maybe you're here today and you're not sold on this Jesus thing yet. You know, you kind of like coming to church, you kind of like being religious, but you've not given your life to Christ. You're not really trusting him. You're you're not you're not all in. OK, let me tell you who's blessed, the giver or the recipient, the recipient. I mean, hello. Right. I mean, that's obvious. Right. I mean, if if, if I got twenty dollars in my pocket and, and I give it to Bonnie so that she and Kenny can go get lunch, who's blessed there? Bonnie, if you take God out of the equation. Right. I mean, they give get to go eat, right? I still get to go eat, but three of my kids don't get to, right? The three big ones, they don't get to eat. You know, that's the 20, you know, at McDonald's, they don't get to eat, but the rest of them do So who's the winner there? Well, Bonnie's the winner, and I'm the loser if you take God out of the equation. Put God in the equation. Things change drastically, okay? Look at verse 17. This is an interesting verse, okay? Paul says, not that I seek the gift. Paul is not all that revved up about the gift. He's thankful. Man, they've been a partner in his ministry. He's received this. But that's not what he's excited about. He says, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. All right, think about that. Paul says, I'm excited about the fruit okay what's fruit it's produce it's production good things okay that this is producing that it is increasing in your account your your credit in you okay So Paul says, man, I'm so excited about your gift. Excited about Epaphroditus coming. I'm going to send him back soon. He's been a great help to me. Thank you, thank you. But I want you to know I'm completely content. God supplies all my needs. And I want you to know I am more excited about what God is doing in you through the gift than what he has done in me through the gift. All right? The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Who said that? By golly, it was Jesus. Okay, that kind of settles things, right? Whenever we're asking a question, who's more blessed? Whatever Jesus says is probably right, don't you think? Acts twenty thirty five. listen to it. In all things I've shown that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Jesus himself said, there's more blessing, there's more riches, there's more fruit, there's more benefit. Okay, blessed. What does blessed mean? Personal benefit in giving than being the one who is giving. There's more blessing in that in your own account than there is being the recipient. Now, question is that always true? Is that true of all giving? And the answer to that is no. Okay, let me tell you why the answer to that is no. Not all giving is worship. Okay? Not all giving is worship. Did you know that? Not all giving is worship. We, I, I think you guys had offering here. Just a minute. I think I came in when you were having an offering. Okay. And I gave in the 830 service. And so that's something that many of you do each week. Okay. Now let me ask you this question. Is it possible for you to give and it not be worship? It is definitely possible for you to give and it not be worship. Now hopefully it is worship. That's, that's the way Paul describes their gift. Notice verse 18. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. I've been received from paradise. The gifts you gave. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. You see that at the end of verse 18? A fragrant offering and a sacrifice. Pleasing and acceptable to God. Paul uses Old Testament imagery there, doesn't he? Remember the the altar they would build and they would throw the the sacrifice up there, the bull, the lamb, and they would cut it up and kill it. And then they would burn it to God. And it was to be a fragrant offering unto God. Okay, Paul uses that imagery for their offering saying, your offering is an offering to God. When you you gave to me, you weren't really given to me. You were given to God. Okay, but let me tell you, not all giving is worship. You know why? Because people give for different reasons. If you give to be seen by others, if you give because you feel guilted into giving, if you give and you're ticked off about it, you know, because your spouse is giving you the one in the ribs and you're so sick of the ribs that you're like, okay, you know, all right? Let me tell you, that's not worship, all right? It's not worship. There's a great example of that in Acts chapter 5. There's a husband and wife who gave a substantial amount of money. Okay, to the kingdom, to the apostles, but it was not worship. God was not pleased. In fact, God was so not pleased that he killed them. Their names are Ananias and Sapphira. You ever read that passage? I mean, let me read it to you real quick. G- give you a little background information. In chapter four, at the end of chapter four, there's a guy named Barnabas. And, and what Barnabas does is he, he hears of the poverty of the saints in Jerusalem and the struggle that, that's happening all around because of the famine. And so Anani- or, I'm sorry, Barnabas sells a piece of property and gives the entire amount to the church. And he's rec- you know people know that he did this. Ananias and Sapphira are like, hey, I'd like to get on, on that recognition part. Just not given at all, though. And so what do they do? They sell a piece of property. They say we are giving all this to the church, but they don't really do that. A man named Ananias, this is verse 1, and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought it, only a part of it, and laid it at the apostle's feet. That's the sign that he's doing exactly what Barnabas did. Okay, he says he's doing but Peter said to Ananias, "Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? What's he saying? You didn't have to sell this? Why? You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to sell it, you could have kept it. Notice what he says next. After it was sold, it was at your own disposal. You could have done whatever you wanted with this Ananias. You could have given a dollar. you could have given nothing. You could have gave 10 bucks, you could have gave half of it. You could have done whatever you wanted. But instead, you lied. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. And verse 5 says, When he heard these words, he fell down as dead. His wife comes in, she confirms the story, she falls down as dead. All right, now, what are we getting at here? Not all giving is worship. Man, I'm sure glad God doesn't strike us dead. Anyway, He hasn't lately. Um, I haven't seen that in my ministry, you know. Uh, we've never had any deaths after the offering, so God is merciful and gracious to us. But here's what we learn not all giving is worship, right? In fact, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 gives us a great picture of the kind of giving that is worship, okay? In verse 7, he says, Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay. What's the kind of giving that's worshipful? The kind of giving that's worshipful is the kind of giving that flows out of this. Jesus, you are awesome. Okay. You're awesome. You created me. You sustained me. You looked down upon me in my sinful rebellion. And you said out of love, I want you in my family. And then Jesus, you came and you put on human flesh and you lived a perfect life. And you died a brutal, sacrificial death in my place for my sins. And then you rose from the dead. You defeated death and the grave and sin. And I'm joined to you now through faith. And you're going to pull me through death and pull me through the grave and all the way to new new life in the new heavens, and the new earth, forever and ever in fullness of joy and pleasures forever. Jesus, I want to give to you. Man, I want to give to you. I, 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 I want to out of love. I am excited about it, Jesus. That's the kind of giving that's worshipful, okay? That's, that's the kind of giving that Paul is talking about here that, that actually the giver is more blessed than the receiver. So it's our joy to give, when it's worship. You know this is one of the reasons that. I don't get real cranky. About people taking advantage. Of, of, of giving. I mean I, let me tell you. I mean I, I'm a big big proponent of labor's love. I give to it out of my personal giving. Every week. Um, I, I, I add some on to give the laborers love because I really believe in it I believe that we should help people in our community with electric bills and food and all of that big believer in that and I want you to know that we do our best to kind of make sure we're, we're making good decisions on that okay we, we really do um, we try to check things out people will call say I've got this you know thing in Oklahoma City this doctor's appointment can you give me gas money hey we call we call Oklahoma City hey you know do you, does so and so have an appointment they don't hey great news dude you don't have an appointment you don't need money you know I mean, we 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 really try to check that. But you know what? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, if someone is pulling one over on us, I'm not that concerned about it. You know why? My gift is actually not going to you. It's going here. Okay? Do you get it? You know? I, I know some of you have a hard conviction. You don't ever give to anybody on the side of the road with signs or anything like that. I just don't have that conviction. You know Why? I try my best to, hey, is this person needy? But uh, maybe they got a Ferrari around the corner. I don't know. You know, but as long as I don't know, hey, I'm okay giving if God leads me. You know why? Because my gift is not really to them. It's, it's to God. All right? It's an act of worship to God. So... While there is blessing, uh, there is blessing to be the recipient. The real blessing is the blessing of the giver. Now, let me tell you why I know that the real blessing is always the blessing to the giver. And it's because actually God is always the giver. Okay. Now, now follow my reasoning here. You're really never the giver. Okay. You, God is always the giver. Okay. You never get one over on God. You know, you, you understand what I'm saying there. You know, you know, when you buy somebody dinner and then the next time what happens? They got to pay you back, right? They got no, you got it last time, man. It's, it's my, Okay, God's ne- God never says, "Oh, you got it last time." You yeah, know, yeah, c- come here. I, I I owe you one. God never owes you. There's several reasons why He never owes you because you don't actually own anything. Okay, that's number one. All right, First Corinthians four seven. Everything you've got, your ability to make wealth, your 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 brain power, your strength, your opportunities, the fact that you were born here in this country with all of these opportunities and not in in in, in Calcutta, in the slums, all of that is God's grace dumped in your life, okay? So you're you're not ever really the giver. God is always the giver. But an even bigger reason than that that God is always the giver is because He has given you the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. All right, listen. Listen, this is really cool. In Philippians, remember in our passage here, Paul describes their gift as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice unto God. Listen to Ephesians 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children... And walk in love. This is Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Same, same language. Okay. What's God given you? Well, let's let's not talk. A nice house, let's, let's just hold off on vehicles, let's hold off on jobs, let's hold off on children, let's hold off on family, let's hold off on friends, let's hold off on church, let's, let's hold off on all of that, okay? We could, we could pile that stuff up forever, but let's just look at the big thing. What has God given you? Jesus, okay? You've been given Jesus, You've been given the body and the blood of, this, of the sanctified Son of God who gave himself up for you, okay? To pay your penalty, to to to, to bring forgiveness of your sins, to, to connect you to life eternal, to give you the Spirit of God, to give you victory over sin. You've been given Jesus. How are you ever going to compete with that? Huh? You... you what does your big gift look like now? You know, I mean, there's times where I'm like, man, you know, we, we, I was gone to, to Guatemala. And so I missed a week, you know, in giving. And, and then, and then I, I also, we had some extra income come in. And so I, last week, the check I wrote, I was like, wow, Jason, that, that's pretty big. You know, I'll stack that up to what I've been given. Oh, well, now it's pennies. It's pennies. It's small. Because I, I've, been, I've been given Jesus, and, and, and so you follow this thinking out in the New Testament, and, and man, Paul says, you should have great confidence that God is always, he'll always be the giver in your life. Listen to Romans 8.32, okay? If God has given us Jesus, what does that mean? All right, Romans 8.32, listen. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Right, if, if God didn't spare Jesus, if, if God looked you in the eye and said, I, here's what I'm going to give you. Come, come, son, son of God, glorious son of God, most precious being in the universe, most powerful being in the universe. Come here, son, Jesus. I'm giving you Jason. I'm giving you Jesus. Man, how can we not expect that he's going to take care of what we need, isn't he? I mean, he's, how can we not think that he will give us all that we need? You know what? Considering what God has done for us. Is he not always the giver? Listen to Mark 10. This is Mark 10. This is Jesus speaking. Truly I say to you. There is no one who has left house. Okay that's a pretty big sacrifice. Isn't it? I don't, I don't know anybody who's actually abandoned their house for the gospel. Or brothers. Or sisters. Or mother. Or father. Or children. Or lands. For my sake and for the gospel. Who will not receive a hundredfold now? In this time. Okay, stop right there. What what, what did Jesus just say? You know what he said? He said, there's nobody that really ever makes a sacrifice for me, okay? I mean, no matter what you give up for God, no matter what you give up for the gospel, God comes in there through his incredible creative power, and he takes care of you in magnificent ways, a hundred times more than anything you gave up for the gospel. Now, in this time, then it gets even better. Listen, let's keep reading. Now, in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. I mean, that's, that's the promise of Jesus. Now, here's where it gets tricky, though. What if, what if your idea of what is valuable is very limited, okay? Now, now here, here's where people get disappointed. Let's say your idea of what is valuable is all packed into a nice vehicle with cool rims and a good, a good house, a good address, okay? So that when you pull up in, in line to pick up your kids at the school, you look down the line, you're like, yeah, buddy, you know, there's, there's, there's pastor. Look at me though, look at my rims, you know? I mean, if, if that's, if, if, your whole, if your whole thinking is what is valuable in life is material possessions, I, I, you are gonna be disappointed probably. You are. You know why? Because God is better than that. Man, he knows what you need. He knows what you need in here, okay? He knows what you... I mean, we've been talking about it in Philippians 4. Rejoice always. Again, I'll say rejoice. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Be anxious for nothing, right? Be content in all things. He knows what you need in here. He knows what your family needs. He knows what your kids need. He He knows your situation. And you know what he wants? He wants to give you better stuff than rims. I'm glad Pastor Daniels not here because he's got nice rooms on his car. He'd think I was talking about him. He's preaching at Crown Heights, so don't tell him. You know, you know, what, you know what Paul says here. Let's go back to verse 18. Uh, no, verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Your cre- where, What's your? Where's your credit? Did you know that you have a spiritual account? Have you always dreamed about someone calling you up and saying, you know, did you know that you've got this account? You know, it's got a million. Have you ever dreamed about that? You know, this oh, I didn't know I had it. Okay. Well, here it is, okay? It's true. Matthew chapter six, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and seal, but lay up for yourselves <gasps> here it is. Treasures in heaven. how is that possible? You, you you have an account there? Did you know you did? Treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How about First Timothy? First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good and be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Listen to this, verse 19. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. All right, G- Jesus talks about this account that we have. Okay? So so there's this account in the future, all right? And it's this place we're going to live, in the new heavens and the new earth, for, for billions of years, okay? In fullness of joy and pleasures forever. And there's an account there that you're able to push things to now. Is that exciting to anybody? Or are you all short-term thinkers, you know? That's the plague of America, by the way, short-term thinking. Did you know that? I mean, there's some people that... that they live for today. Today. What do I... I'm mean, never thinking beyond today. You know. I'm asking you to push not only to next month and next year delayed gratification but what, what about... What about forever? Okay. There's an account there. Right and the and the Bible has this continual barrage of, of verses. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25. He who rotters will himself be watered. Proverbs 19, 17, be gracious to the poor man. It, it, being gracious to a poor man is lending to the Lord, and God will repay him for his good deed. Proverbs 22, 9, the generous man will be blessed. Proverbs 28, 27, Luke 6, 38. Second Corinthians 9, 6, He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. All kinds of verses that tell us there's this spiritual account that God is is filling up as we push the gospel out, as we make sacrifices and give generously to him. Now, friends, I am not telling you what we call the health wealth gospel. Let me tell you what's different about what I just told you and about the health wealth gospel, okay? What I just told you, you need to be a partner with God. God is the biggest giver in your life and so you should give as an act of worship, trusting God to take care of you in ways that you don't even know. And to give you exactly what you need, okay? And, and to fill up your spiritual account that's coming. Now here's what the health wealth gospel tells you. Health wealth gospel says, "Hey, if you want to make more money, because money's what we all want, right?, uh-huh, money's what we want, right? We want We want to live high. Right now, then you got to give money, and if you'll give me a thousand. Then God will give you 10,000. If you'll give me 10,000, God will give you 100,000. If you give me 100,000, God will give you 100 million, right? I mean, okay, let me ask you in that equation, what is the treasure? Is it Jesus? No. Jesus is just a broker, right? He's a vending machine, he's, he's a wire transfer. That's all Jesus is. Jesus is not the treasure, money's the treasure. Okay, that stinks, okay? Don't listen to those guys. Quit, quit. I know some of you do. Quit, okay? Jesus, Jesus is the treasure. Now listen to verse 19. And my God will supply. Okay, he's talking to givers here. Here's Paul's confidence. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. Here's the big question. What is every need? Okay, what can I count on God supplying? All right. What is every need? Well, let's unpack a little bit. 2 Corinthians 9 gives us, I think, a really good kind of angle on this. Um, it's, it's a passage on giving. And in verse 8, it says that, you know, as, as you give, God's going God's to make you abound in every good work, okay? So God's going to give you the ability to continue to do good works, okay? That, that's clear. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. And, and so one thing we could say is, okay, here's what's clear, is that that what, what, what Paul says here is that God's going to give you everything you need to continue to minister, to continue to be. A giver to continue to push the gospel out, God's gonna give you everything you need for that. Okay, now can, can we go any further? I think we can, but we gotta be careful. Okay, because what's, what's real is my life is about the mission of God, but I also gotta have a place to live, right. And also got to have, you know, something to drive, to get around. I got to, also got to have medical care. And so there's other things in my life, right, that, that I don't know if they're needs or wants, depending on where you live, depending on, you know, your culture. But so, so can we go a little further? I think we can, but we have to be careful. And here's what I would ask you, okay? Here's what I would ask you. As you, as you pray, God, supply my need. I want you to answer the question, what if God, what if God spoke out of heaven and said, your need for what? Right? And what if Jen says, God, please, please supply my need. And what if God says out of heaven, for what, Jen? Need for what? Because that's a good question. For what? You know, if I, if I tell you, all right, this afternoon, I, I need to build a polypocket pocket dollhouse for a haven. What do I need? Box popsicle sticks, Elmer's glue, right? If I tell you I need to build a house for my family this afternoon, do I need popsicle sticks and glue? No, no, no. Much more, right? Right? If if I'm on a beach in Grand Cayman and you ask me, what do you need? Swimsuit, water bottle, snorkel gear. That's it. I'm good. You know? If I'm climbing Mount McKinley 20,000 feet in Alaska, what do you need? Swimsuit, water bottle, snorkel gear? No. Okay? So what do you need? What do you need? What, how do you answer that? What do you, what what's your what's your mission in your life? As you look to God, God, here's what I'm all about. Would you supply my need? So what are you all about? Are you all about just staying alive? <laughs> Man, unfortunately, that's where some people are. Well, let me tell you what you need. I check with Doctor Kirkendall. You need oxygen. You need 1,200 calories a day. That's about all you need. Is that what you mean when you're praying to God? Or 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 is is, is your is your life mission God? You know, here's my mission, God. I'm going to watch a lot of TV. God, I'm going to watch a lot of TV. What do you need? I guess you need cable or dish and a, a recliner, okay? Or, or, or maybe maybe your mission in life is, God, I don't want to ever struggle. You know, for a lot of people, that's their mission. I don't want to struggle, God. I just want my life to be easy. I don't ever want to struggle. I don't ever want to have to worry about anything. I don't. I want everything to work out. I don't want anybody bothering me. You know. You know what you begin to see. Does God, is God obligated to fund that stuff? Are you as a parent obligated to fund everything your kids say that they need? Are you obligated? I'm not. If my kids call me up and say, Dad, will you give us some money to go buy spray paint? You know what my next question is? For what, Right? If it's, Dad, we want to paint art on the train cars like everybody else. No, I'm not funding that. If they say, Dad, these parking rails of the Lincoln campus are all chipped up. Okay, I'll buy, I'll buy spray paint for that. You bet. You bet. If, if my, my oldest two daughters, 20 and 18, if they say, Dad, we need travel money to go to Oklahoma City. For what? We want to go to a Miley Cyrus concert. Not funding it. <laughs> we want to go to a horror film festival. Nope, not on my dime, you're not. I'm not paying for one cent of that. Dad, we want to go to Grandma's in Kansas and help her can. Here's my card, right? Okay, now, it, would, God be, would God be the same, my friends? Would he? So, uh, what, this is it, okay? So, don't, don't feel I'm wearing you out. We're done, okay? But, I want you to do one more thing. I want you to create, in your mind, your missions brochure. Would you do that for me, just real quick? You know what I mean by a missions brochure? We get them all the time. Solomon was the last guy that was here, right? Uh, Pastor Solomon from India. Many of you picked up his brochure, Seven Ministries. And remember the pictures on there? It it told us what he's about, right? He's about drilling water wells. There's a picture of a water well with a bunch of Indians around it. And there's a, uh, Jesus is is the water of life, you know, on it, Right? In' front of the church and there's, there's a picture of pastors. Pastor Galen, my buddy, baptizing some people in the river and there's, there's a picture of a leper. Remember him without with that, he didn't have any digits, okay and they, they have a leper colony there and there's a picture of a whole bunch of orphans. They were holding up their hand with their, their, their bracelets, their rainbow bracelets that the, when the Arnie family was there that they, they went through the gospel with them. okay so Pastor Solomon said, "This is what I'm about. I'm, I'm about these things. And he said, he wasn't ashamed about it. Will you fund me?" Will you come? Will you partner? Many of you said yes. I know Bonnie got excited about the sewing machine thing. She's, I think, funding some of that. I know many of you others got excited about different things, water wells, okay? So here's what I'm asking. You saying, well, I'm not a missionary. Really? If you're a believer? Our, my understanding, every disciple is supposed to make disciples, right? It's my understanding that if you're a believer, you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Isn't that, isn't that the way that works? Okay, so let me see your brochure. What's your life about? What do you when 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 you read this verse and my God will supply every need? What what are you asking? What are you asking? God, give me lots of TV, lots of TV and Doritos and RC Cola. God, will you fund that, Jesus? Is that what you ask? What are you asking? And my God will supply. What do you, what's your what's your mission? God, I want to. I want to raise godly kids, God. I want my kids to know you, Jesus. I want them to serve you. I want them to know the Bible. I want them to know that you're creator and you're sustainer and you're savior and you're redeemer. God, I want them to be the kind of kids that that love other people well. And God, I want a church that loves each other well. And God, I want to I want to be involved in children's ministry. And I want us to take the gospel into our neighborhood. And God, I want our youth program to build up leaders for Christ. And God, I want, I want, I want to be a witness of my job. God, I want to provide for my family. But Jesus, I want to be a light for you at Chesapeake or the post office or Walmart or United or Sonic or McDonald's, wherever you work. God, I want to be a light. God, that's that's my mission. God make me that. Oh, brothers, I can tell you with full confidence and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. It's coming. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good to us. Thank you for being the the giver in our lives. Lord, we give you thanks. We praise you. God, we love you. Lord, I, I pray. God, help us to be partners in the gospel. God, help us to be on mission. In Jesus' name, amen.